laughing has many meanings. When do we laugh? We laugh, we laugh because we are happy, joyful. When you go to party, you see a lot of laughing because they're really enjoying the time. So when we really enjoy our life and we're joyful, and when we enjoy our parties, we laugh. Or, or we laugh because a certain situation or certain jokes are funny. Certain stories are funny. So we laugh uh, listening to those stories or observing those situations. And also, we laugh sometimes because it is so absurd ridiculous, or even farcical. The scripture says today that Abraham laughed. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, can a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? What kind of laugh was Abraham's laugh? He thought it was ridiculous to think that 99-year-old man would have a baby. But later, when Isaac was born, when that ridiculous, absurd promise came true, he laughed because he was happy and joyful. He even named his son Isaac. Isaac means Laughter, the one who laughs. Laughing it was a big theme for Abram's life. Isaac was a child of promise. He was born by the promise of God. And this child of promise was named laughter. In that sense, God's promise is somehow connected with laughter. Often, God's promise makes us laugh because it is too good to be true. Because it is hard to believe. And when the promise comes to us, we have no other response but to just laugh. Verse 18 is very interesting. When God said to the 99-year-old man that he would have a baby, Abraham responded in this way. Oh, that Ishmael might live in your sight. What does that, what is saying? God, you got to be kidding. You got to be kidding. I'm a 100-year-old man, not 29-year-old man. 100-year-old man having a baby, you got to be kidding. Just take care of my another son, Ishmael. I mean, if a hundred-year-old man being knighted by 94-year-old queen is, it makes sense. I mean, it's, I mean, I saw that in the news. It was so cute that Elizabeth, uh, Queen Elizabeth came out and then uh, knighted that hundred-year-old uh, man, that, uh, that Thomas, uh, Tom Moore. He tried to, he walked, I mean, he passed away, but he walked to raise funds. So his goal was 1,000 pounds, but at the end, he 
raised 500,000 pounds. Hundred-year-old man having a baby, he laughed. His response was very reasonable and understandable, and we'll do the same thing. But in the end, he does, he did a strange thing. God told him to circumcise him and his family. I mean, circumcision is a, so we don't do that anymore in the New Testament. And a circumcision, I don't know. But anyway, God told him to circumcise uh, his family as a sign of trusting in that promise, as a sign of covenant. It's a strange sign, but that's what God told Abram. But Abram laughed when he received the promise, but in the end, he actually circumcised. He, in other words, he did it according to, he accepted God's promise, a seemingly ridiculous promise. He laughed because it was ridiculous, but he accepted his promise. That was strange. He took God's promise seriously. He didn't just laugh it away. That was Abram's faith. Even the promise that was too difficult to understand, he accepted it. God's promise was absurd, but his faith was also absurd. Through his faith, this absurd promise came true. That's how Abraham became the ancestor of faith. Abraham was a great figure. Through Abraham, Jewish people were established. God's people were established. He was honored in Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. And Abraham, one thing great about Abraham was that he discovered first time the God who could relate, whom uh, we human beings could relate to. Until that time, uh, so you know, all kinds of things were God, kind of stars, sun, the moon, and trees. And also, there's no personal relationship with God. It's just very impersonal God. But first time, Abraham found monotheistic God, one God, only one God whom he can relate to, interact with. And that's why he was called a friend of God. And that the distinct characteristic of this personal relationship with God was promise. The promise. God related to Abraham with this promise. Abraham's life was very closely connected with this promise. He didn't live his life on his own. He always lived his life according to to this promise. His journey began with this promise. The, re the reason he left his hometown was because of God's promise. The, he wanted to go to the promised land. The Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. 
I'll make of you a great nation and I'll bless you and make your name great so that you'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you and the one who curses you, I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is promise. God's promise moved Abram's life. To Abram, the, that promise was not just empty, nice words. It is something that shaped Abram's life. He believed in God's promise. And ultimately, God's promise was fulfilled through his faith. Abraham discovered this wonderful truth that God leads people by his promise. We human beings don't have to figure out everything about life. God leads us and ultimately fulfills his promise in our lives. So our life is shaped by God's promise. God gave us and renewed this promise through Jesus Christ. What Abraham began, began Jesus fulfilled it. Through Jesus, God's promise, promise became very clear. When you read Matthew, the book of Matthew, the last sentence of Matthew was this. That is Jesus' promise to us. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus gave us this promise. I will be with you until everything is over. We should hold on to that promise. You know, my friends, as Simon and uh, Jonathan shared, there are times when life is hard. Life is difficult. Life is monotonous. And it is really hard to believe this promise that God is with us. Especially when life is too hard. And then when we feel too lonely, it is hard to believe that. But hold on to that promise. Hold on to that promise. I mean, it's not just about how we feel, but hold on to that promise. Even when that promise doesn't seem real. Isn't that what faith is? Even that, isn't that what faith is? Even when we don't feel it, we trust that promise that God will be always with us. Promise, we can never understand. God's promise, it is really hard to understand. Never easy to understand God's promise. And never easy to accept God's promise. I mean, that's nature of God's promise. God's promise is not understandable many times. And it does not always make sense. It makes us very uncomfortable. But when we accept that with our faith, 
will be able to enter into the world of promise. Into the reality of promise. We'll discover the wonderful reality of promise. And promise come true, comes true only by faith. And we have already experienced that when we look back our own lives. There were times when your life was very difficult and you didn't feel the presence of God at all. There was nothing that you could look forward to. You felt that life is just going in a wrong direction. Everything is turning out to be wrong. But even then, we held on to God's promise that he would always be with us. And God kept his promise. Yes, indeed, he was with us. And he showed us the way out. We know that. We experience that. You know, in the New Testament story, when Lazarus died, Jesus came to Mary and Martha, and then Jesus gave them this promise. I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? That was Jesus' promise. Those who believe in me will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. After saying this promise, Jesus came to the tomb. And told Mary and Martha to remove the stone. Because at that time, tomb was covered by the stone. And Jesus told them to remove the stone. Jesus said, take away the stone, Martha. The sister of the dead man said to him, Lord, already there is a stench. Because he has, he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not, did I not tell you? That if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Mary and Martha heard Jesus' promise, but it was hard to believe. It was too much to believe. When Martha said, there is a stench because she has been dead for four days. What, is, what she saying is, Lord, it is too late. It is too late. But like Abraham, he couldn't really take that absurd promise, but he just acted on it. Martha and Mary did not really, uh, could not really believe Jesus' promise in a 100%, but yet they removed the stone. They acted on it. And then they were able to enter into the wonderful reality of God's promise. My friends, you are people of promise. God gave you all his promises. In that sense, you are blessed people. Now what is left for us is whether we will hold on to that promise or not. The disciples, they were with Jesus for three years day and night. 
but they could not believe the promise of God. They were asking for visible signs. They were asking for visible signs. Professor James Edwards said, faith that depends on proof is not faith, but only failed doubt. The promise is not visible. It can never be. If it is visible, it's not a promise. Because it is not yet a historical reality, the promise is not visible. Promise is not yet here. That's why Abraham struggled. There is always a gap between the promise and the historical reality. The promise and fulfillment. There is huge gap in between this. And what fills up this gap is our faith. Abraham lived in this gap all his life. And his struggle was a struggle of faith. Of course, there were times when he could not hold on to that promise. When a scary, scary, scary situation came, he lied. He lied that his wife was his sister. He almost lost his wife. Abram struggled with faith. But hoping against hope, he believed. Faith is not something you can have just because you want to have it. Just because you will to have it. For faith, there is a process. It is a lifetime journey. Faith grows little by little, and the growth is not always visible. We all struggle to have faith, and that struggle is precious. That struggle makes our faith journey meaningful. Jesus also had a struggle. His struggle in Gethsemane was a struggle. There is no one who doesn't struggle with their faith. We all struggle. That doesn't mean that we don't have faith. As a matter of fact, there is a proof that we have faith. Because we have faith, we struggle. Because we see the gap between God's promise and our reality, we struggle. Because we hold on to the promise, we struggle. Don't give up your struggle. Don't run away from your struggle. Embrace your struggle. That is what faith is. Embracing the struggle. That is what faith is. And move forward one step at a time. Holding on to that faith, or holding on to that promise is not the most comfortable thing to do. It is not something you can control or manage. The promise is always beyond our comfort level. The promise is always bigger than you, higher than you. That's why when we face the promise, we often just laugh. But there will be a day when your laugh of absurdity will turn into the laughter of joy. Psalmist said, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, 
we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. I pray that your laughter of absurdity turn into laughter of joy. There are many promises hidden in God's word. I hope and I pray that these promises are not just empty words in the Bible. I pray that these promises become your promises that you hold on to. And these promises are not just for you and for your generation. They will continue from one generation to another. If you trust God's promise, you and your children will be blessed. In the end, what remains is this promise. And Jesus came to fulfill this promise. Let us hold, to, hold on to that promise, even if it is hard. You will see the, the wonderful world of promise of God. Let us sing together.